that's all right all I right suck. all right everyone welcome to the fourth episode four of the unscrewed podcast with me i'm carlin borisenko kb.locals.com and i also have truman return to reason Tr- return to reason.locals.com right truman you got it yeah and unscrewed is a podcast about how we unscrew all the problems that we are in right now. We're going to do a little bit of a happier show today. I think we're going to try. Who knows if we'll end up happy, but we're going to start on a happy note. I'm really going to try. I'm really going to try. It's one of those things when you're like, when my wife will be like, okay, we're going to go to this place. Like, please don't embarrass me. Or please don't like get in an yeah. argument with someone. And I always say, I'll try. I'll try my very best. We can't guarantee it though, because the world is falling apart. It is literally right. burning around us at the mm-hmm. moment. Yep. But while yep. Afghanistan was burning around us, I went to a Mises caucus meetup last night. <laughs> okay. Let's and it hear was, about it. It was awesome. So like in New Hampshire. Real fast, real fast. Can you, yeah. were you starting to do that? Where you tell people what Mises is, what the yes. Mises caucus is? Okay. Yes. So, so the Mises caucus is, so within the libertarian party, there are all sorts of these there are caucuses, basically different groups of alliances. Um, and some of the caucuses are serious and some of the caucuses are more fun or just like social clubs. Like apparently there's, there's a pro wrestling caucus within the libertarian party. There's a waffle house caucus. There's like a weight, there's a weight loss caucus. <laughs> like or a get fit caucus or something so there's like, there's like fun stuff but then there's also like serious stuff they're like um, subreddits I mean, the, the yeah. libertarian party is basically reddit like well, there's caucuses <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, <laughs> it's so true though but they really do take this stuff seriously like if you if you go on to like the lnc so the the libertarian national committee meetings and they're all on zoom like you can always log in and watch any of their meetings um but you'll always have people doing like public comment and like pitching their caucus like the pro wrestling caucus i've heard doing this several times um and it's so it's so it's fun but so, so the mises caucus is kind of it, it's a more like serious caucus i guess within the libertarian party and um the whole idea of the mises caucus is to bring the ron paul revolution to the libertarian party so a lot of people when they like a lot of people will distinguish between like um you know they say like i'm a libertarian i'm a small l libertarian but i'm not like a big l libertarian because most people perceive the libertarian party proper to kind of suck like let's be honest, like the libertarian party does suck they they, they do um if they can but the thing that got my attention about the Mises caucus, and I had heard of them, but um, so all, it, it all started with James Lindsay, as it often does. And yep. so last, last I want to say, I, I want to say it was like in February or something, February, March, James Lindsay got into a Twitter fight with Nick Sarwak. And Nick Sarwak, and I had no idea who Nick Sarwak was at the time, but come to find out he was the former chairman of the libertarian national party is like the top guy in the entire party he started in this twitter feud with james lindsay now because of course like i will always have james lindsay's back even though i didn't know who nick sarwak was i just kind of started going at him probably because i was bored on like a friday or something but also because like you know you're going after james lindsay you're going to probably hear from me and um and so i got into a little fight with nick sarwak and like had had some fun just kind of like shit posting on twitter and whatever well the following week i start getting all these messages from the liberty republicans in new hampshire saying carlin did you see what happened to nick sarwak because they they see that they saw that i was on a fight with him on twitter i was like no what are you talking about well so in in new hampshire um, for the New Hampshire Libertarian Party, they had their state convention. And Nick Sarwak, 
who is, was the chair of the National Party, was running for state party treasurer in New Hampshire because he moved here a while ago, I guess. And so he was running for treasurer by himself. There was no one else running for this position. Now, the New Hampshire Libertarian Party, there's like, it's it, it basically like the Mises Caucus members basically have the the largest group of numbers in New Hampshire. So whatever the Mises caucus wants to happen within the New Hampshire Libertarian Party is probably going to happen simply because they have the numbers. And at the state convention, their numbers, the people that they got to show up to, to actually vote on different issues overwhelmed the the normal, the, the non-Mises caucus people, right? So Nick Sarwak's running for state treasurer. And in the Libertarian Party, you have to have none of the above as an option. That's like one of their bylaws. So it was Nick Sarwak and none of the above. Well, the Mises caucus hated Nick Sarwak so much that they got that none of the above won this vote. That's so, amazing. So they had no treasurer. They didn't even offer an alternative candidate. Oh, no, no, no. So so here's what had to happen. So so Nick Sarwak lost the first vote, apparently had a hissy fit, stormed out of the convention, taking his posse with him. And then they had they actually changed the bylaws to make it so that someone so a lot of the libertarian parties, they have like a seasoning requirement where you have to be a member of the party for a certain time before you can run for things or before you can vote on things. This is kind of the, like it's it's basically so like you can't just get a lot of new people to join the party at the last minute and basically yeah. control everything because libertarian Hijacked parties Thing. Yep. Exactly. So there's like yeah. the seasoning requirement. Well, they changed the bylaws to say that if someone is a lifetime member, they can basically do whatever, but only if they do like pay like the $500 or whatever to become like a lifetime member of the Libertarian Party. Well, this one guy, his name is Sean Brennan. He's awesome. He stepped up on the spot, became a lifetime member of the Libertarian Party. Um, and he's a member of the Mises Caucus and basically got voted into the treasurer position. And Reason.com later when, um, when they had like, so there's this whole takeover of the New Hampshire Libertarian Party and Reason.com wrote this big story on it. They called this the Brennan Maneuver. They dissected yeah. this whole thing <laughs> okay so so anyway so let's just like to say like so the libertarian party proper and the mises caucus like i basically consider them to be two different things the mises caucus mm. is within the libertarian party but it, it it bears absolutely no resemblance to like the crappy libertarian party that we all make fun of that's like uber woke and has all these horrible people in it um but the, the mises caucus is awesome and, the, and that okay. was how I found out about the Mises Caucus was when Nick Sarwak got noted, all these Liberty Republicans, which Liberty Republican in New Hampshire is basically code for like a libertarian that's registered as a Republican just for to like okay. get voted into office. They started sure. messaging me. They were like, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. But I, I, then I started paying attention to the Mises Caucus and I was like, they pulled this off? And then I started looking into it and I ended up having a meeting with like the Mises caucus has state recruiters that will just like tell you about what they're doing. And so it was like over beers with this guy, um, Ben and Eric are the, the, the people in New Hampshire. And we met for beers and they gave me this pamphlet and the pamphlet had like these eight points, like the eight highest priorities that the Mises caucus cares about. Do you have that pamphlet? I, I have it in the other room. I don't have it here with me, but it has like, it, it, we, we, I, like it, it's all on the website, but it was like, you know, private property is like the number one thing that they care about. And they consider people's bodies to be private property and respect for that. Ending the Fed, um, ending the drug war, complete anti-war position, no identity politics. And I'm looking at this pamphlet. And first of all, 
I had been ever since like I left the Democrats, I had been asking them asking like the Republicans or the GOP, like, what do you stand for? What is your platform? Like, what is your vision for the country? And Mm. the only answer I would ever get was, we just want the government out of our business. And I was like, that's not actually an answer. And it's not a plan. And I was, I was really frustrated by this. And then, but then when the Mises caucus handed me this pamphlet saying, here are our top eight priorities. And anything that we have not listed here is just not one of our priorities. Not that we don't have a position. It's just not one of our things that we're worried about. I was like, the libertarians have a plan. Like, the libertarians have a cohesive plan. The libertarians have a good plan. I'm aligned with the libertarians. This makes me feel good. But it was just, it was a really, a really interesting moment in terms of like the libertarians, the people who don't want government involved in anything ever have their shit together more than the GOP does. And the thing of it too is the Mises caucus within the libertarian party is slowly starting to take over all of the state organizations. So they've taken over, like, I think over 50% now of the state organizations. And at the national convention next year in Reno, they're probably going to be able to take over the entire Libertarian Party based on the numbers that they have. I mean, it's really like incredible. Like the numbers that they're bringing in are amazing. It's like this great energy. So that kind of brings us to Porkfest. And Porkfest is this big um can we like, pause really fast yes can we pause really fast yes. so i found their i found these their eight planks mm-hmm. so let's read these for people and i, I think it'd uh, be do it. um worthwhile even just getting into just uh mises himself the man who inspired this caucus mm-hmm. um <clears throat> here in a minute so here's the planks plank one property rights we recognize and and by the way the reason that i want to do this is because it's one thing for people to just hear, oh, they have a plan or whatever, and it was appealing to you, mm-hmm. and you did kind of summarize them there. But I think that it's a really important distinction because you're right. It's one thing to say, oh, we just want to be left alone or something, but that's like that's a, like you said, it's a negative, it's a negative plan. It's not actually anything, and so to have some kind of at least defining principles, like I've mentioned this before, I don't, I don't know where all I've said it, but I didn't know I've said it before that I, I'm actually a big nerd over. Uh, I like. Um, vision statements for Mm. organizations because a well-crafted vision statement gives you a very clear like litmus test for what you're doing any given time and if it is if you're on mission or if you're off mission and so like a really well-crafted vision statement is something that at any point in time you can look at what you're doing and then set it next to your vision statement and say how are we doing it that how does this thing that we've said we're going to do feed this and if it doesn't then we are off, we're off mission. So I think mm-hmm. they help you get back on mission of whatever it is your organization is trying to do. I, so I agree. This, I agree. Yeah. This, yeah. And this seems like a really good like list of those kinds of things. So like there's this thing, um, Nassim Taleb writes about it called via negativa, you know, where you, mm-hmm. you're, it's a way of determining what something is by determining what it isn't in a lot of ways. And so anyway, I think there's, those are all, all different things. I think this is an important list. So, uh, Plank one, property rights. We recognize the right to property as natural and self-evident and advocate private property rights from both an ontological and utilitarian perspective. We affirm that property rights extend from self-ownership and scarcity inherent to our material existence. We condemn all fraud and initiatory violence towards a person's life, liberty, and property. We contend that private property is the best way to reduce and reconcile conflict between individuals. We advocate non-corporatist privatization wherever possible. We categorically reject socialism defined as the non-private collective ownership of resources. 
Plank two, economics. Economics is the study of human action in the context of scarcity. We recognize the Austrian School of Economics as a preeminent body of economic science, whose analysis acts as a pole star in forming and undergirding libertarian political prescriptions. Uh, so for those that don't know, there is, so the Austrian, it was like the Austrian school. And then there was, uh, where, where did Keynes come out of? I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the, the oh, other, but there, there was know. like, there's two schools that maybe it might've been London to be honest, uh, but that doesn't quite feel right. But anyway, the Aust there was the ones where like Keynesian economics came out of, and then there's the Austrian school, which is where you're getting um, a lot of like, that's Mises. I think Murray Rothbard, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think so. Hayek went on. Yeah. I, I think Hayek went, Hayek did come out of Austria and then he went on to London. So anyway, these are two fundamentally different schools of thought that uh, inform economics today. Um, I'm probably wrong about some of those and, things. And, and by the way, when one of the things I discovered is when you join the Libertarian Party, you're given a list of 12 economics books that you're supposed to read. I still have oh, not great. made my way through this list. <laughs> what, uh, what's the What's the list? It's just like it's like like anatomy of the state and and, and different different things like that. I mean, they're, they're like the libertarians. What's interesting to me about the libertarians is like they're general of, of all the different political organizations that I've been connected to throughout my life from the Democrats, the GOP, conservatives, MAGA movement, like whatever. The libertarians are the smartest by far. They read all the time and they have like like I mean, like complicated reading, too. Um, so it's just one of those things that's like part sure. of their culture. We should we should. Uh um you should tell me one of those whatever book that you really like the most and i'll read it we could talk about it in one of these episodes well let's um, do anatomy of the state because jack dorsey just tweeted out the pdf to anatomy of the, of the state the other day which was a, which was a weird yeah. development just J truman i swear to god he just tweeted out a link to the pdf all the libertarians were freaking out we're like what is even going on and he gave no context of course he didn't that dude yeah is in an but he but he followed he like a couple months ago he followed the Mises Caucus Twitter account, and it was a big deal. People are like, "What's going on?" And now he's tweeting out and like 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 what is going on? He's tweeting out Rothbard. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is if he's like the dude in iRobot that gets killed, like he's trapped by his own creation, and then he ends up killing himself just so Will Smith can come and investigate. Maybe maybe he's um, sending okay. a sign to the universe. Anyway, please go so, ahead. So plank three money. We reject all forms of state intervention into monies and currencies with the understanding that competing monies are the cornerstone of a functional economy. We define state intervention to include, but not be limited to, private or public central banking, state issue of currency, banking regulations, the state making purchases of monies, currency, stocks, bonds, treasuries, or specie, and legal tender laws. We support the aggression-free competition and proliferation of free market monies and currencies in all their forms. Um, that's a, that's an interesting one. I don't know how, how far we want to go down the rabbit hole on that, but I do think there's something to a, uh, money is, is like the key to freedom. Um, in most cases, well, in, like, their, in their case, they're taught like, like, so the, the issue, as I understand it, and this is one of the areas where I'm not as versed in it as like, I am some of the other areas, but sure. like they, they're very opposed to like the manipulation of money and currency by some central body right because usually it's just it's manipulation to benefit you know the few in power well it looks like it says state issue of currency so they're oh, saying yeah. that they don't even want the this the state to be the one that issues currency they do not want the state to be involved in anything yeah which i think that that is probably not I don't, I don't agree with that. That's okay. Well, okay. Um, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing with a lot of this stuff and, and how I feel about it. Like, I'm not like a full on anarchist or anything, but sure. I also think like, 
you know, we've got the left that's gone way off the cliff. Yeah, there, there we've got, is crazy. We've got the conservatives who are the progressives driving the speed limit, to quote Michael Malice. Like they're they're yep. following along. They're just doing it at a much slower pace. The libertarians are the only thing that we have to pull us back in the other direction. And so like yep. a lot of these arguments, when people get into the semantics of like, I don't know if that's really going to work. It's kind of like, okay, fine. That's not even a discussion that we need to worry about having in our effing lifetimes. You're so right. Yes. You're so right. It's, it's, it, even if it's wrong, it's wrong in the right direction. Also. Yes, exactly. Um, so I know that's a really good reminder, Carlin. It's a good point. Uh, plank four, decentralization. We recognize that freedom of association manifests itself politically in the form of abs- absolute right of self-determination. We support decentralization, subsidiary, subsidiary secession, mm-hmm. nullificate, wait, subsidiarity, secession, nullification, and localism of political units all the way down to the individual as a means of expanding choice and competition and governance for all individuals. We recognize and affirm that the state is not the same thing as governance. That's a really excellent distinction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plank five, war. We advocate that the abolition of empire, including ending the war on terror, bring all the troops home, that's poignant, and closing at least all foreign bases, we advocate a policy of armed neutrality in all conflicts where we are not directly attacked and the transition of defense and security services from the state to the free market, wherever and however feasible, including the abolition of gun control laws. We advocate peace and trade with all, alliances with none. Interesting. We support the precipitous reduction of nuclear arms. We reject non-defensive war against state actors and reject war as a means of pursuing justice against non-state actors. We reject first use of sanctions being a form of siege and therefore an act of war. We reject the subsidy, the subsidy of business through taxpayer-funded security and intelligence services. We reject the state's use of proxy entities to perform any of these activities. Uh, I Also, there's some things there on the closing of bases that I'm not sure I would agree with. Uh, anyway, plank six, lifestyle choices. We take no stance on the personal, cultural, social preferences of individuals or groups. One's lifestyle is merely an extension of their property rights. Thus, no individual or group can rightfully claim jurisdiction of the lifestyle of another. We assert only that any and all lifestyle choices must not be a via, must not violate the property rights of others. Identity politics. We categorically reject all forms of identity politics as nothing more than weaponized tribal collectivism that is antithetical to individualism. Omissions. Our silence about any particular government law, regulation, ordinance, directive, edict, control, regulatory agency, activity, or machination should not be consult- construed to imply approval. We seek to enunciate our top priorities, not the entirety of our position. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty, a pretty robust list. And, you know, sorry to, to deviate a little bit there, but it, I think just to, again, lay out like this, this is a group that isn't just a bunch of people saying, leave me alone, sitting on their porch with shotguns. They do have, I mean, that might be part of it. It is kind of leave me alone, but let's spell out exactly what that means is also yeah. really huge. Um, in terms of maybe the appeal of this. So well, it, it is. And, and that's going to bring in, into the conversation where it's it's actually an interesting dichotomy between what you might see in a list like this and how it actually functions in real life. But I want to add just a couple of things onto that. So the two things I hear about all the time when it comes to the libertarians are I can't be a libertarian because they're open borders or I can't be a libertarian because they're like their position on abortion, like whatever it happens to be. So with the Mises caucus in particular, they do not take a position on 
open or closed borders, and they do not take a position on abortion. And the reason they do this is that because like they say that there are people on both sides of the issue and like, yep. you know, they can see the issue from both sides. And it's frankly, it just doesn't align with where their main priorities are right now. So they just choose not to take an issue on it. So it's like people can be in the Mises caucus and be on both sides of that issue. And we can bicker about it later when, you know, we get more progress in other areas, but you don't have to be on either side of the issue. Totally. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good point. And like, you know, that goes back to even just that stream we did, like, I don't know, a week or so ago, where mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, you have to prioritize your set things in order, right? Like you take yeah. care of, like, if I went to the hospital for a broken leg, and they were like, what, you know, my bones, you know, sticking out of my, you know, you know, my skin, and they're like, what's wrong? I wouldn't say, you know, I've got kind of this rash right here. Right. You know, you you prioritize the things that are, you know, there is a, a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent that's a, that's about that that we would read in, whenever we were doing campus ministry is one of the ones that the leaders would read because it was about how do you prioritize things? Mm -hmm. How do you create a hierarchy of what matters most? And then start there because you're, you're never going to run out of things that are worthy of your time. You're never going to run out of that. There's always going to be a lot of good things for you to do, but the good is the enemy of the best. And so you want to find what's the best thing for me to do at this moment, um, mm -hmm. given the list of options I have, incentives, constraints, et cetera. Uh, so, okay. So there's a few things that I, I do want to kind of get into that are similar oh. a little bit to what we talked about there, but go ahead and let's talk about Porkfest first. And then we'll get yeah. or, do you want to do Porkfest or you want to do uh, Mises himself? Which one do you want to do? I, 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 so I'm going to be really bad at talking about Mises himself. Um, okay. To be honest, that's just not something that I'm like, like even paid enough attention to, to be able to speak intelligently on that topic. Um, because sure. I, for me, it's been mostly like the reason that this got my attention is not, not necessarily because of that. Like I do agree with like most of their platforms on things. And like I said, I do think that it is, it is really important that we start pulling back a lot of the, the government control. And so I might not be all the way with them, but I'm enough with them on enough issues sure. that it's like, it just makes sense for me. Right. Um, but like, so, so the reason they got my attention is frankly, it's like, they, they, to me are what, um, what I always imagined libertarians should be. Hmm. Right. If they were actually like, like, you know, real libertarians or whatever. And so like, and what I really like is that, you know, they're using bold messaging. They are completely based in their in how they're presenting. And I just think, I think it's going to be appealing to a lot more people than what people think. I mean, people poo poo, -poo the libertarian party all the time and God knows I get it, but I really don't think that a lot of people are going to see what's coming from the Mises caucus in 2024. Like, like in, in, in the, the most likely outcome right now, is that the Mises caucus will control who the libertarian presidential candidate is in 2024. And that's probably going to end up being Dave Smith. And Dave Smith is incredibly articulate. He's incredibly smart. He's young. He's exciting. And I think he's going, like, I like, I think if this works out is the way. My dick guy? No, that's Jeremy Kaufman. Okay. That's Kaufman. No, Dave, that's a Dave different Smith thing. is great. No, no, yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought so. No, Dave Smith is great. Him and Malice talk a lot. It seems yes. like he's hilarious. Dave Smith is smart and super funny. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. No, but he's probably going to be their presidential candidate in 2020. Right. I know I've heard I, him and Malice will talk about that. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, you think he's not going to get people excited. This is going to be like Ron Paul revolution part two. And if the Republican party is not paying attention to this yet, they should be because the votes for this are probably going to come from their base. And, you know, so, it, it, so, but, but I, I, let's, let's talk about Porkfest. So Porkfest is this libertarian festival in the middle of New Hampshire. It's put on by the Free State Project, which is a Free State Project is um, basically the whole idea of the Free State Project is to get 
libertarians to move to New Hampshire so that we can have political power within the state. Um, and they, they've gotten a lot of people, um, like a lot of the, the, the Liberty Republicans that are in the state house are free staters. They moved here specifically for that. Lily Tang Williams, who, you know, yep. is awesome. Like she's, she's a free stater. Um, Does and she so, live in New Hampshire? Yeah. She lives right two towns over from me. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, she lives, she lives like really close to me. Um, but no, so 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 the Free State Project puts on Pork Fest as a way to try to get libertarians to come to New Hampshire so they can see exactly how awesome it is. And basically they take over this campground up like, you know, two hours north of me in like the middle of the woods. And it's like just like the most beautiful area you've ever seen in the mountains. And they take over this whole campground for like a week. And it's just like a libertarian paradise. And there are no there are no cops. They have their own security force. But even like there's just not that much crime because like these are libertarians. It's like the non-aggression principle. And what I what I found so fascinating this year at Porkfest was to just watch how this community organized itself and how it managed itself because you're talking about a group of people who are like you know get off my lawn people right but at the same time it's also they have this voluntary association thing so like if you're like if you're in a group with them like there there there's almost some sort of like um implied agreement to cooperate with each other and uh, like there were times that that they opted into voluntarily. They opted into voluntarily. And so there would be times from where I was like, where I was sitting at Porkfest and, um, you know, Dave Smith's talk at Porkfest was actually one of those times where they have it in this big open pavilion is their main stage. And like for the, the more popular speakers, they have to like, this is going to sound like a small thing, but it, it just really like epitomizes this entire mindset. Like for the, the bigger speakers, they'll have like people bring in more like extra chairs and stuff. And then as people are leaving after the talk, they'll say like, oh, just, you know, take your chair and make sure you put it in the pile or whatever and cooperate so that we're all helping each other well it was like you know it like like watching them operate where they were all just helping each other and just doing things without being asked or cajoled or anything like people were picking up after themselves people were like not stealing from each other or anything like that it was like i couldn't help but thinking this is the way that the left thinks communism will operate like if you have like a communistic society, but that's not how it is. Like the libertarians, somehow the most anti-government people of all have actually figured out a way to have a functioning society in which people help each other, people support each other, they pick up after each other. They're all, they're behaving almost as a collectivist unit, but they're doing it in the most individualistic way, which is saying- It's like, opt in, opt out. So they exactly, can opt out at any moment in time. That's, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, they've agreed to be part of this system and that's why it works. And it was just, honestly, it was the, you, you need to come to Porkfest next year because it was just like the best, like most laid back, good vibe environment I've ever been in. I cannot, like, I was so excited for Porkfest next year. I like, I've already bought my tickets for Porkfest next year. I've already reserved my hotel, like, you know, and, and so it was just a really, really cool experience. And I was really, it was so nice. It was so different than every Democrat event I've ever been to, every Republican event I've ever been to. It was just like, nice. That's the best way I can describe it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So I have some, I have some questions. Mm-hmm. I will say I've, I've heard uh, Malice talk about um, pork fest and he, he said that he, and maybe he did this too, I don't know, but he said that he, uh, he always stays in a hotel. He's, he said, it's a bit rural for me. And I'm like, 
it is very uh, rural even even the hotels because i stated i like i'm not like you can camp like it's at a campground um yeah. a lot of people do um but like no i stayed in a hotel <laughs> i'm a camper man i mean i don't know if i told you this but i've done like real hardcore primitive mm -hmm. camping like build shelters out of like sticks and and logs that i cut and anyway yeah but, uh, but even but even the hotels, it's not they're not we're not talking like really nice chain hotels. We're talking like like rundown motels. That's that's the kind of the kind of hotel that's around like AKA hotel. every type of hotel that I would stay in or have stayed in. Exactly. Because um, <laughs> I am poor. So okay, so let me let me ask you this question mm -hmm. as a thought that I had. So I'm just gonna ask you stuff as it comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, and I had one earlier that I didn't write down because I'm a moron, but we'll see if it comes back to me. So what is their conception of the state? What is the state? Well, it, well no, without yeah. even you, like maybe how do you envision the state? Under I mean, this I, I mean, like the government is how. No, I no, no, no. I understand that. Yeah. So, but what is what is it? What, what does do you it mean? Do? So if it's this and they want to reduce it, what's the irreducible minimum so, of the state under this system? Well, I mean, the, the, the minimum is zero. <clears throat> so hold on. Sorry. I'm not asking this question very well. So they don't conceptualize no state, or do they? Oh yeah, they there are some that. Well, I mean, it's a it's a there there it's a spectrum, right? Sure. There there are people like that other that you know there are some people that do conceptualize no state. There are other what people about for that you though. For you, let's say, how do you integrate me, your belief on? Let's say you have a thing. So again, so when yeah. I say irreducible minimums, if it's irreducible, you can't reduce it any farther. Yeah. But it's it's what is the minimum requirement for this thing after you've reduced it as much as you possibly can. You know. So in your mind, where are you at in terms of the state? What's the so, irreducible minimums of the state in terms so, of its function, its size, its scope, that stuff? Again, like I need to emphasize that I don't know that I have a specific answer for like here's how it would work in my idealized reality, simply sure. because. I don't think we're going to get there in my lifetime. Fair enough. Like, like, and, and that's really the case. It's like, I, I almost think it's like a pointless question to even ask, like how low can like it reasonably go because we're not going to get there in my lifetime. What I do so think it gives is you something to aim at though, right? Like it gives you well, a trajectory. Yeah. But I mean, we're, we're how I'm think, kind of thinking about it is there, there are core things that need to be done. Number yep. one, I do not believe that we should be engaging in foreign intervention. Like this whole thing happening in, in Afghanistan, I'm kind of like my whole attitude about it is like, so we should never have been there in the first place. Place. We right. never should have been there in the first place. I'm sorry it sucks. I'm sorry it's awful. It's traumatic for a lot of people. And I it's not that I don't have empathy for these people, but we never should have been there in the effing first place. Yeah. Like so, so like no foreign wars would be something that that I think we need to strive to achieve. Defunding the schools. I do not believe that the government should have a hand in education. Um, I don't believe that a government, the government should have a hand in making healthcare decisions, like I, or fr frankly, any part of that at all. Um, but so, so stuff like that, it's like, those are the big things that I care about right this second. That feels like one that you've come around. I feel like I've heard you, maybe this is a while ago, talk about how you like the idea of socialized medicine well, like a while ago. Is, so that's, that no, sounds like something that you might've changed on. I don't know. I don't know. Thing. Well, I don't know about that though, because it's like, I, I was never kind of on board entirely for like Medicare for all. I was like, that sounds like it could be a problem. But at the same time, I was like, I was like, there's got, my position on it is that I wanted the parties to come together and actually reasonably work together to try yep. to figure out a goddamn solution to make healthcare available to the broadest number of people at the lowest price point. And I kind of thought like, you know, the, re the, the proper solution probably hasn't been discovered because people are so dug in 
in their camps on either side of the issue. So, uh, you know, have I come around? I mean, I think maybe like I would, I was certainly more open to government involvement in it a year ago than I am today, because I do think like things like, um, and listen, this is not my primary issue by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think like, I, I do think like things like, um, like, you know, like the pre-existing condition stuff, making sure that people with pre-existing conditions are able to get reasonable coverage. I thought that that was a good thing. I thought that 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 righted a wrong that was like screwing a lot of people. And so I could kind of understand government intervention, but where I'm kind of at now in terms of seeing just how badly the government screws up literally everything it touches. And now (laughs) the government is completely woke and it's like, it's not going to get any less woke in our lifetime. I just don't want them involved in anything. Nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and and this these are these are issues I have come around on just by by seeing just how bad it is how badly the sausage is made you know yeah it's once you kind of realize that thing about it and again just like you said like how bad they are it's like oh they can't even do this one thing like they mm-hmm. can, like even just think about the rollout of the healthcare.gov website right like under Obama, like that website didn't even work. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm trying to figure out where, where I want to go next. So, so, uh, so in my ideal world, like I think that there probably is more of a role for some sort of state apparatus. I mean, I do think that like um, I do think that the 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 state should be like we, we should have a national defense. Yep. But defense. Yep. Like legitimately, like we're attacked. I think there's a role for the state in <clears> that. I'm not a complete anarchist. Yeah. Yeah, so who no, knows what the next year will bring? I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we said we're trying, we're gonna try and stay away from black pills. Yeah. Um, because that is definitely one. So um okay. So let's talk about do you want to stay in this vein, like the full libertarian thing, or just or how that overlaps with like working with the GOP? Which one do you want to go first? I mean, let's talk about working like overlap with the GOP, I guess. I don't know. So so like I really love the realism that you kind of have about this where you're like, okay, obviously they're not going to get elected to president. Like we're not going to yeah, have no, all these big not. electoral victories. And, you know, again, I think we talked about this last time of like, okay, like you can still have like your short term and your long term, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to have your focus on both because if you only focus on long term, then you're just going to miss opportunities to do stuff that might help you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you only focus on the short term, then that's being short sighted. You don't know necessarily know where you're going to wind up. With, with tunnel vision like that. And so I like that you're talking about both. So how do you conceptualize, like, and how does even just your experience of like meeting with these people or whatever, like their conception of what do you do whenever like your candidate is, isn't viable? What do you do whenever like, it, it, like at the end of it, like how, like how do they partner with what is probably going to be in most cases, the GOP on some of these bigger things do they, do they say, no, we won't, we won't do that. Or, or like, how do you see that as, because I think we talked about this before of like, yeah, the GOP is at this point, like, our, even though they're not taking it seriously, like our best hope for some of this stuff in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how do you, how do you like marry these two things in your mind? 
Well, I think I think New Hampshire is actually the perfect example of this because there are so many like Liberty Republicans that again are libertarians but are technically registered as Republicans, yeah. um, and and because they have to work together now. Like the Mises Caucus in particular is much more focused on local elections, so they're not usually going to play even on the national scale, mostly because like it, it's way too expensive to even try to win anyway, and they're they're very aware that they're not going to. So they mostly Good. focus on more like local things, and like that's actually part of like the Mises Caucus is actually like a pack. Like they, they take money and they fund political candidates. Um, so they give them money to run for like local elections and stuff. Um, but like, you know, so in New Hampshire, it's kind of like, you know, wh where there are opportunities and okay, I'm, I'm going to do a caveat. I am not speaking on behalf of anyone but myself <laughs> yeah. because sometimes, sometimes like that can get people in trouble. Um, but um, like, it's not like the libertarians are going to come out and endorse a Republican in New Hampshire, but there are some times where they might just choose not to compete with them. Like, hmm. so for example, there is supposedly going to be a really good liberty candidate running for governor in the next election cycle. So so the conversation has been had like do we run a candidate for governor because we don't really want to compete with him because like we're kind of okay with that whole situation but we take something like a chris sununu and chris sununu is like my rhino governor that's going to be running for senate and well, yeah. we are absolutely <laughs> going to run a candidate against him and mm. the the entire purpose of running a candidate against him is well, like, okay, like 99%, absolutely. Um, Cause it's not like official yet, but the entire purpose of running a candidate against him is number one, to get ballot access because we don't have, like you have to change the goals, right? Like if, if, if winning is not the goal that is achievable at this point, you can set a different goal that is like, you're allowed to set different metrics for success. So in the state of New Hampshire, the libertarians do not have ballot access currently. We need to get 4% of the vote in either the Senate, the Senate race or the governor's race in order to get ballot access. And so that's one of the goals is, is the goal is not to win the Senate seat. The goal is to get over 4% of the vote so that we can get ballot access. Our mm. Our um our kind of like you know secondary goal is frankly to prevent Chris Sununu from winning because Chris yes. Sununu was like went across any authoritarian boundary that we were comfortable with in terms of the COVID lockdowns and the restrictions and all that. And there's a clip of him that came out like a month and a half ago of him saying libertarians are not welcome in the Republican Party explicitly. Really? Explicitly. Um, that's a direct quote. Liber or libertarians are not welcome in the Republican Party. And wow. so we're like, F you, Chris. Like, is there any context? Like, is there even just a charitable interpretation of what he's saying? Um, it has to do with the Liberty Republicans. It has to do with, with the, the libertarians that are registered as Republicans because they control enough of the House in New Hampshire where they can be spoilers. They want to be. They can be. And so they're basically like the traditional neocon Republicans are pissed at the Liberty Republicans and having to work with them. So it's, it's actually kind of funny that we're having like the conversation about like how do libertarians work with Republicans in New Hampshire, the libertarians, I feel like are giving a good faith effort to try to work with sure. Republicans. The Republicans yeah. are the ones rejecting that. So if they want to screw around, if they don't want libertarians to vote for them, then like surprise, we don't have to. And it's and so um, so one of the the goals of running someone against Chris Sununu would be explicitly to to make him lose. And like again, in New Hampshire, it's going like Chris Sununu will almost certainly get the GOP nomination for Senate. He's going to end up running against Maggie Hassan, 
we don't really see a lot of difference between the two. Chris Sununu is an absolute rhino. He worked with the Republicans on the, or excuse me, he worked with the Democrats to oppose the anti-CRT bill in New Hampshire. He's an absolute rhino. He deserves to lose. We don't really see a difference. And so part of the platform is going to be like, I mean, literally we've talked about like having like a tagline that's like, suck my dick, Sununu. Like, yeah. and, and part of the point is that is to make the point to the Republican party that you don't get to win without speaking yeah. to our issues. <clears throat> Sorry, <throat> you don't get our votes without speaking to our issues. And not only will we not be passive about this, we will purposefully go out of our way to sabotage your campaign. Like if you if you pull this crap. And so with the with the Sununu Hassan race, it is extremely unlikely that Chris Sununu would win that race by anything more than a couple points. It's going to be an extremely close race. So what if we can pull two two percent away from him? He loses yeah. and yeah. we get ballot access and we prove the point. So that's right. what the goal is. The goal is not winning. The goal is putting a stake in the ground. Totally. And I think that that's smart because it's also that place or that goes along with like the long term uh strategic aspect to this and um i think that that's something i know we've talked about this before of just like what where the right can learn from the left on a lot of these things where it's mm -hmm. like like the left knows how to coalition you know among the progressive crazies and the establishment when they need to but they the progressives especially know how i mean you're seeing this with the infrastructure bill which i hope doesn't get passed anyway but where there is some of them were saying um Oh, the infrastructure bill got passed. No, but there's a, there, it's not, it got passed, I think is in some preliminary thing. Like, look at it, there's nine Democrats that are threatening to tank it. Oh, okay. I haven't been following um, that closely because I feel like it'll be too depressing. It's very bad. So I, yeah, it got passed through the, um, through the Senate, I think, or that, through the House of the Senate. I can't remember which. The Senate. Yeah, it did get passed, but there's there's nine of them that are saying, I can't, I really can't remember the specifics. The point is it's that there's nine good. Democrats right now who are threatening to tank, torpedo it if Pelosi doesn't like play ball with them. And the point is, is that they at least have the courage of their conviction. So they work together when they need to. And then they will, you know, like put a stake mm -hmm. in the ground, like you said, also when they need to. So I, I think that that's something that the right can learn. And it sounds like that's what the, at least the Mises or the libertarians generally, you know, perhaps in New Hampshire is doing it, the Liberty Republicans and the Republicans where it's like, we'll put a stake in the ground when we need to, but also it's like, we're not going to quabble over the, you know, you're going to sweat the small stuff when you need to sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. Basically, you got to pick your battles. Yeah. Um, so I've been listening to this guy, uh, so Malice did a live stream with him the other night and I've heard him talk about him before. Um, Curtis Yarvin, you know, Curtis Yarvin. I know the name. Yeah. Mencius Moldbug. Um, they say he's like the father of the alt or the godfather of the alt-right mm -hmm. and, and all this other stuff. There's a lot of, it seems to be some misinformation about him. Although I'm not familiar with, I guess he had this blog um, called like no reservation or un, unreserved or unreservations. I don't mm -hmm. know, something like that um by the way real quick sorry before you get into this have you seen malice tweeting about afghanistan uh yo i i think the only thing i saw was he said um something about at least people can leave their homes in afghanistan or something like that oh that no no oh my god truman malice has been on absolute fire and it's like even some of the stuff i'm like oh <laughs> that he's tweeting from his account it's insane let me bring it up real quick sure. this, this might actually get us banned off twitter for me even saying that or not twitter but um 
whatever platform we post this on hang on this is just like it's too good it's too good and like i'm not like always the biggest fan of malice's ship posts but it's just like oh my god hang on sure oh my god hey god hey god hey god hey god hey god Feels right, like back I'm in the day scroll. when you would pull up YouTube videos for people and you're really excited to show them and then it starts like buffering. I like, know. Or stopped in the middle and it starts buffering. It's like, F me, F my life. Oh, he's been tweeting way too much. He's like going after reason. Okay. So while you pull that up. Yeah. Um, so Yarvin, I, so I wanted to get your take on, so this this is the guy who, did you find it? I, I, I did. Okay. Go for okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> forget crypto the burgeoning afghanistan clitoris and child shave mar slave markets are about to have a major bull run can I, he's he tweeted out of, he retweeted the u.s embassy Kabul account and he says can i buy a wife there now <laughs> exactly The Taliban, so let's talk about the that. Taliban has successfully put a stop to the targeting of African-Americans by the police in their country. The Taliban takeover of Afghanistan is a mostly peaceful protest. So this is good trolling because he's pointing out exactly the failures of this stuff. I, I, sorry, go on. Yep. I, I've been insisted that we're in the best timeline, but there's a timeline where Mayor Pete is president. And let's just say things are really awkward with the Taliban. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Taliban is less of a threat to America than the Yale faculty. That's true. That's it a fact. That's a fact. Oh um, my God. But it's just like, it's so good. It's so good. Anyway. Okay. So, so, so Yarvin, that's amazing. That's by the way, let's, let's, I'll just quickly say that's an example of effective trolling where it gets a reaction, but then you have to think about what your reaction is and what it's based on. And all of his points are, we didn't make things better. We only made things worse. Things are about to get way worse. And then you have to ask, why is that, right? And so the why is that is it's, get off of Twitter. <laughs> I know, CNN, CNN. How Donald Trump's exit from the White House led to Afghanistan's biggest gender wage gap in history. <laughs> Sure. The Taliban variant is having a devastating effects on Afghanistan. Projections show there will be no elderly or obese people left by the end of the year. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Anyway, okay, okay, I promise I'm not looking anywhere. I promise. It's just so good. <sighs> okay, so um but that's an example of good trolling because it points out you know, why is that, you know, this is, again, I keep saying we're in this situation partly because a bunch of Democrats wanted to feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think whenever you put that in their face, uh, um, and it, of course there's going to be dissonance, they're going to ignore this, but it's like, how good can you feel about yourself whenever this is the outcome of, of your, what you elect, you know, these, mm -hmm. they elected this. Um, and so I think that's really effective. People need to be able to see, you know, that one of the things that we would uh, say back in college, it's like, you know, if, if there was, if you immediately experienced the consequences of a bad decision, mm -hmm. you would probably be less likely to do it. Like the closer the consequences are to the decision, the more like the learn 
learning is. So for example, if someone immediately got lung cancer after the first puff of a cigarette, like how many people would smoke? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's good for them to be seeing, not that I think that all of that, but some of them are waking up because some of the stuff, especially the COVID stuff. Um, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I've always said to Brandon, I was like, or Brandon Strzok from like walkaway campaign. I was like yeah. a Biden presidency could actually be the best thing to ever happen to the walkaway campaign ever. Yep. Yeah. So this is, uh, me and me and Kevin were talking about this the other night um, ab- about that, just in terms of contrast, we were talking about the 2024 election. Okay. That's the whole rattle. So Yarvin is the guy who came up with the red, he stole it from the Wachowskis, like the red pill thing mm-hmm. as we use it today. That oh, was okay. him. He's the one who came up with the concept of the cathedral, um, which do, are you familiar with the cathedral? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the cathedral, can we talk about that just for a minute and just how it kind of overlaps with this? Because this is, I think this is one of the most fascinating concepts that I have heard. All right. Okay. So what's your, what, like, what's your understanding or conceptual? I'm, I'm not going to like, I, I, can, I, I have a conceptualized in an abstract form that I'm not actually sure I can explain. Like, I understand what the term means, but you're probably going to be better at explaining it than I do. Sure. Okay. So the cathedral is this term he uses and like, he would simplify it now to say, that it's basically academia plus the media, right? Yeah. And so the cathedral control, but that's not the same as explaining why those things are how they are. Mm-hmm. And I think his explanation of why they are how they are is incredibly fascinating. And then it gets to this other thing I wanted to ask you about the libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his point is, is, he's like, okay, so you look around and you know you see that all of these things are in total lockstep with each other, right? Like the Harvard, Yale, the Washington Post, New York Times, all of these things are in total lockstep. And he says, it's kind of like, you know, it was one, it'd be one thing if, um, like in Germany, you could point to Goebbels or uh, to Goebbels or whatever it is, Joseph mm-hmm. Goebbels. And you could point to him and say, that's why you have this guy who's in charge of the propaganda, the ministry of truth or whatever stuff. But here there's clearly no centralized thing they don't have these clandestine right. meetings or anything and so it makes it a lot of, a lot harder to f- to figure out what's going on and one of the one of the things he says that i think is great where he's like you know all of those entities of today are on the same page and all of those entities 50 years ago were on the same page you know and so it's but they but they don't match up with each other now right the harvard of today agrees with the yale of today and of the new york times of today but they don't agree with the Harvard and the Yale and the New York 50 Times years 50 ago. years ago, even though those all three do agree with each other. So what one of the observations he says, is he says, it's not like they're on the same page. It's actually like they're reading the same book at the same speed. Mm. And so it's like, what is going on here that there that this system seems to be go- like in total lockstep and in agreement with itself. Um, but it but we don't we can't point to any one thing. And so the what he says is he goes through how like in the turn of the century where you get kind of early, you know, progressivism starting to really sweep in and we see the rise of the bureaucratic state. And he says the problem with bureaucracy is that it leaks power because there's all these people in Washington that they want status, but they don't want responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so they start to bring in these people like the Rockefellers or whatever. And they're like, well, Hey, can you give us advice? So that's where you get some of these like policymaking committees and stuff. And these outside think tanks or whatever that are influencing this stuff. And they're like, yeah, actually we have the paperwork ready for you. You just sign it right here and we have this. And so they start to, and the, and the bureaucrats and the politicians are like, this is great. 
we get all the status and none of the responsibility. We can we can basically um, outsource government to something outside of government where mm-hmm. there's no accountability. And and he says at the beginning this is fine because they have all these problems, and especially if you're thinking about like World War One, you know, and everything leading up to that, and then the stock market and World War Two. Like there's just all these things that they're like we have problems that are bigger in scope than we may, you know, have ever experienced before. And so they want to like bring in some experts. So let's go to science, the scientism kind of thing. You know, you see this big rise of science. There's this book called the management myth about the rise of scientific management. Mm-hmm. Um, this fantastic book. And anyway, and, and then of course, like what Hayek is noticing and, and what Kevin and I have talked about in this road to serfdom uh, stuff. And and so the idea of when you bring in science and you kick all this stuff over to scientists and the experts, the quote unquote experts, one is, again, it diffuses responsibility, it diffuses power um, and out uh, to unaccount- like to these unaccountable entities. And he says the problem with like science is and it says at the beginning it was fine because it had no concept of power for itself. It was just like being asked to do some things and then power, the, con- the notion of power was introduced into that. And he says mm-hmm. this is kind of like saying, why doesn't Gandalf just put on the ring? Right. And he says, the problem is, is that whenever Gandalf puts on the ring, he just becomes Saruman, Mm. you know? And, and so that power being introduced in the equation corrupts those institutions that were just previously about just knowledge acquisition and just figuring out what the right thing is, but by kicking power to it, it corrupts it. So then he says, what ends up happening is they become aware of this power. They, they have this power. And then you get into this kind of uh, evolutionary system where it self-selects ideas that are about power, mm-hmm. where it be it, in, it has a selection process. So he talks about like dominant and recessive ideas. Like, it, so if you think about this, just even in genetic right, terms, right. right? So it says a dominant idea is one that defaults towards power, the wielding of power, the acquisition of power, um, and all of those things. And recessive are ones where it's like, we don't, maybe we shouldn't do anything, or maybe we should stop doing a thing. And it starts to self-select out those recessive things and, and reward the dominant things that are for power. And as that happens, you have these, the, the higher education doing this. And then, so you have a system where it's like, actually, okay, so they're the ones who are feeding the ideas to the government and the government is held, held accountable by the media and so if you have like, I think it was like knowledge and what are the two things? It was like knowledge and credibility or knowledge and accountability or something like that. Those are power. And so if you can, if once accountability becomes aware of power and knowledge becomes aware of power, then now it's like, actually the government is entirely reliant on these two institutions to to validate, feed them ideas and then validate those ideas. And mm-hmm. these things are completely un unaccountable because they're only accountable to themselves right and so they agree with themselves and so there that's how that it becomes like that and there is a few like two things there that i think are really interesting one of them is he says um the if you have he gives an example of like let's say a super progressive you know place where like what we have here you know with that kind of system mm-hmm. and you have a dictatorship you know where that dictator like enforces like a total uh, hegemony of, of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Through force. 
And you have this other system that we have where only those ideas that are dominant that advocate for the acquisition and usage of power, those are the only ones that are rewarded. And his point is, is that carrot and stick are, they are two ways to the same thing. And so you can't make a distinction because the outcome is the same in both of these instances. If, if the only ideas that are getting rewarded are the ones that are dominant, that's what you're going to end up with. And mm -hmm. if a dictator is enforcing only things that agree with his dominant, his use of power, that's yeah. what you're going to end up with. And as a result, what, and this is what he talks about with the cathedral and this, and this system that we have here, he says, it's not that in one of the examples he gives is like climate change. He says, so a, a climate like activism would be the dominant idea. We have to do something about this thing. Whereas, you know, he uses the term denial, you know, but we, we can use that term. It's probably not the right term, but, we, you know, which is the recessive one of like, maybe we shouldn't do this or maybe we shouldn't do as much. Right. And he says, it's always only going to select for the dominant thing. He's like, well, is it any wonder that a bunch of climate scientists agree that climate science is important, that their job is important? Like, of course they're going to do that. And, and his point is, is that we, it's not that we don't, we actually don't know which one of those things is right. The dominant thing actually might be the right course of action. But the problem is, is that this system can't tell us what is true and what is correct, right? Okay. If it only ever favors the dominant thing, it, it can't. So it's not like once we realize it, then it must be the recessive thing. It's just that we can't know based on this system. And as a result of that, and which again, we've been building up this system that only favors power, that only favors the acquisition and consolidation application of, of power and usage of things, of doing things, right? Our system favors doing things. We have to do something, do something, do something, right? Like all of the things that are in charge, they have to do something. And so as a result, we have this thing that's created power. And there's like this, you know, law and thermodynamics, you know, that power isn't lost, you know, power is conserved, right? Mm -hmm. There's this conservation of energy. And so Yarvin's point is, is that we're in a system where we, all of this power has been created and it can't be, it, it can't be destroyed at any point at, at this point in time, it can't be destroyed. Um, and so we have to figure out what to do with that. But before I get to what his actual conclusion is, which I think it is just as farcical or fanciful, I guess, as, uh, as Malice's, um, what do you just, what do you think about that as a, just a, a summary of what we have here where the the things that and he calls it what's funny is he calls it an oligarchy mm -hmm. of ideas the marketplace of ideas is an oligarchy and i'm like you know i feel like almost like a year and a half ago or so kevin and i were talking about the cartel of ideas and it's kind of and i know that he's talking about the <laughs> oligarchy of ideas like it's not like he's yeah. he's much, it's always just cool whenever things that you landed on are kind of like verified or validated by other people just that you have no overlap with but anyway i don't know just like i think that's an interesting concept and, mm -hmm. uh, and especially I'll get to kind of where he sees it overlapping libertarianism, but I don't know what, what are your thoughts well, on anything that I just, no, I mean, I think, I think I like, I think it's an interesting concept and I don't, I don't disagree necessarily with it. I think it's, it's probably like pretty close to, to like, a, like, I think it's probably as accurate as you can get about what's going on. Um, though, I mean, I, I would be open to like, you know, discussions on like the nuances of it. But, um, you know, one of the things that stood out to me, well, at least what I was thinking when you were describing that is, you know, it's it's not even just that um, 
like the Harvard and the Yale and the Princeton of today are all kind of like on the same page with with where they are today and not where they are 50 years ago. But there's not really even a true marketplace of ideas because the people that are running Harvard, Princeton, Yale, New York Times, Washington Post, what have you, they're really only being exposed to the same set of ideas in, in any sort of serious consideration, right? I mean, it, it's it actually, no, I'll, I'll even separate those. Like they're only being exposed to a small set of ideas, but even like of the, of the ideas that might contradict that set of ideas that might worm their way in there every now and again, they're immediately dismissed as like conspiracy. They're not, they're not given any serious or thoughtful consideration to say, maybe there's some truth to this. Um, and that might, cause, cause they're kind of like operating out of confirmation bias. They've already decided what they want to have happen. And then they're only like, looking at ideas that feed that. And that almost makes a, a, a like, if, I mean, is it is it fair to say that the goal of this thing is simply to just, to be constantly reinforcing this thing in terms of what's going to keep it in the power position? Do I have that? Is that like a really easy way of summing that up? Absolutely. It will only ever do take action. It's so it, it beca- it's become a hermetically sealed like corrupted hierarchy where everything yeah. it does, whatever it was originally created to do, once they introduced power into the equation, that's Gandalf putting on the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, once they introduce power into the equation, then it corrupts it where now instead of, uh, I mean, this is kind of what theory does, right? Where it's like, you're not making widgets, you're doing theory. You're not mm-hmm. teaching, you're doing theory. You're not doing church, you're doing theory. You're not having a knitting group, you're doing theory. And so it once you introduce this this thing to it, it becomes where it starts to actually only self-select out, like you said, right. things that, that uh, affirm it, agree with it, and make it more powerful. And that includes, and, and that also makes it where the only criticisms are things that push it further in it, in the same, in that direction of power, where my, it's, where it's always, you're not doing enough. The criticism is you didn't do enough. Right. That's, that's what the, it becomes. So it selects, it self-selects out it, where it will only take those dominant ideas and the people advocating for them as opposed to the people who are like, maybe well, we're, did, we shouldn't do that or we, we're doing too much. And that's why like 95% of faculty at any university are going to be out of one political perspective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this interest and like one of the things that I think, well, there's a couple of things there, but the, the idea that um, that's an insurmountable kind of thing, right? Because it's one of those things where it's like, you sound crazy. And when he talks about how like, well, back in the day, if we got all knowledge and all, all of this stuff from like one thing, like the Catholic church or something, you mm-hmm. could go, well, yeah, but that thing's corrupt. But, but now since you have all of these institutions that are all in lockstep, it's like law of averages tells you, well, they can't all be wrong. Right. Like, it's right. funny. He even gives the example. He's like, you know, that this is what people who grew up listening to NPR think, you know, they're like, okay, but they can't all be wrong. And I'm like, that's so funny. Like, that's me. And that's my my dad. Um, And so, but it's like, but what if they are, what if they are corrupted? And what if they, what if they are wrong? And and have they all been wrong in the past? When you're, and when you're in this system too, you're not even allowed to consider that possibility. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you'll be self-selected out. Yeah. So you, you will be removed from whatever it is that's gaining your ideas and you as an entity in there that represents like a unit of energy in one direction or the other, you will be removed. So only individuals that represent energy that will move it again into that consolidation application power. Um, 
I mean, this is the definition of hegemony, right? Like mm-hmm. even just thinking about, and I know we talked about this last time, so I'm not even trying to get into specific, but just the the reality of it is we have everything that val like everything that creates knowledge, accepted knowledge, accepted ideas about truth and reality are all on the same page in terms of like they're mandating vaccines and stuff for their employees, right? And then you have the same thing for all the the places that um, disseminate knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that's your Facebook, your Google, your Twitter, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, all of those things. And then you have the enforcement uh, of that, like the power that's wielded to enforce whatever the application of that knowledge is, is the government is um, is all in lockstep, right? So they're mandating mm-hmm. this stuff for their employees. And so then the question is like, okay, but what happens if they're wrong? If, if, right. if any part of that is wrong, I'm not even saying they are, but the, the question, the thought experiment is, is, would we even know? Right. And because they're like, we don't have to, we literally control the, the creation of information, the dissemination of information, the enforcement of that information. So it's like, we would not know. Um, anyway, so again, we're not what, even going to question it. I mean, like Rand right. Paul got banned from YouTube for a week for, for saying something that was outside of the accepted narrative. Exactly. And there is this other thing where it's like, I don't know if you, did you see the thing about the, this is a a different thing, but where they upgraded like the terror threats and it's like, we don't even actually have any specific threats. And that includes misinformation about COVID stuff. I don't know if I, if you saw the thing where I posted where it's like the New York times literally called antibodies, natural immunity, misinformation. You have CVS pharmacy, pharmacy, uh, with promoted, so these are advertisements on Twitter of of WebMD saying myths and misinformation about COVID, and, and literally one of those things was natural immunity, mm-hmm. and they had a whole nother thing about um, uh, herd immunity, and they talk about like yeah, people just have a certain percentage of the population has to have immunity, and then all they talk about is vaccines, and like this is the best way to do it, it's just and so it's sad. like that is that is hegemony, and that is like. That's what they all agree on. And mm-hmm. the part that is getting like where the rubber's meeting the road is where the government as the enforcement of the accepted knowledge is now like, I mean, that's a shot across the bow, in my opinion, for them, for them to be saying this is a terror alert. And this is what I said months and months and months ago about how this is, it's going to be COVID and it's going to be January 6th and they will marry the two. They yeah. will marry the two. And this is them marrying the two. And, and they have because they, they've gone out of their way to conflate Trump supporters with the unvaccinated. Yeah, despite right? it, and, know, and they're like doing this minorities and stuff, you know, yeah. and they're doing this as Afghanistan is like falling. Yep. And, and through through, you know, how how just like piss poorly this entire thing was managed by the military because the military has gone so woke. They are not capable of doing their job anymore. But I do think it's going to like, you know, like, I mean, maybe if I like if I we can steer it back to maybe a white pill moment. I do think the rubber is going to meet the road with this because first of all, they're memory holding so much stuff about the vaccine. And this wasn't even that long ago, right? We're talking about like their memory holding stuff that happened like a couple of months ago. Forget like even last year, just a couple of months ago, people are like, and people have been paying close attention to this. And especially the people who are really scared of this virus have been paying, they've been paying, they've been doing their, their work, right? They've been doing the work. They've been paying attention to what the government's been saying. And even some of them are like, that's that you change the story yep. like 
Like you, you told us that if we got the vaccine, then that life would be able to go back to normal. We waited a whole year to get the vaccine. And now, now you're telling us we have to wear masks again. Now you're telling us that we have to send our kids to school wearing masks again. Now you're telling us we need another booster shot. Now you're telling us we aren't going to be able to do like normal stuff. Like, I do think it's going to meet the road. And I also think like you take this Afghanistan thing and you put it on top of that. Like people are going to start asking questions because I think that for as much power as the cathedral may have, and it, and and I do agree that it has taken over every major institution in our in our society that's communicating out with people, including but, things like the CDC. By the way, we we oh, cannot yeah. gloss over that reality. Whoa. It is so vitally important, and it sounds crazy. And I just don't care. I'm done apologizing for the fact that these things sound crazy. It's like just look at look at what's going on. Like I don't have to justify that statement anymore. No, I, I just don't. I don't have to even argue that. It's like it is either you either you see it or you don't. I don't care. And and that's not to say that the CDC can't sometimes issue correct statements and guide. Sure. I, I'm not I'm not going to make the argument that they're only when those statements are in line with the interest of that thing. Yes, that's, that's not the, when they're that's going not to the do priority. Yep. Yeah, that's and, and so it's not like they can't give out correct information, but we should be questioning everything that they're giving out. Yep. But but I do think that you know the one thing that they can't take away is they can't take away the human mind. They can't take away the human spirit. And I think when people start seeing protests all over the world for these lockdowns, when they start seeing that the media is changing their story on a dime, that we can put two stories like right next to each other that are told, you know, a couple months apart, and they're saying completely contradictory things. And I do think that more and more people are going to start waking up to this. And again, especially with what's going on in Afghanistan. I mean, I couldn't help but think today, Truman, I was protesting the war in Afghanistan in college. Yep. When I was a Democrat, that was a Democrat position was to be opposed to the war in Afghanistan. Like there was no reason for us to go into Afghanistan. It wasn't in college. Like they didn't, they, they didn't do it then. They offered to turn Osama bin Laden over to us then. And we said no, because we were idiots. Like, you know, we were protesting this in college. And so for people looking at it today to say, you know, why should we continue to do that? I, and, and, and like seeing what a debacle this withdrawal has been. I think it's going to start to wake people up or at least get them to start questioning. And maybe even maybe even the goal isn't to wake people up at first, but just to get them to ask the question, like, what is really going on here? And did you see the Joe Biden press conference clip from a couple months ago? Mm -mm. Oh, dude, dude. Is this the one where he was saying that he would he bears no responsibility? Um, He did say that, but he also said he also said. There is, it is very unlikely that the Taliban is going to take over Afghanistan. Yep. And he said, there's not going to be any airlift from the embassy in Afghanistan like there was in Saigon. And of course, like both of those things have now happened. And there's also a clip from Truman. There is a clip from the press conference from, and this is probably not going to get as widely circulated, but the press conference at the Pentagon two days ago in which they said, that Afghanistan is not going to fall to the Taliban in any like in any like swift fashion. That was two days ago. Yeah. And so people are going to see this stuff. And at some Maybe. point they're going to start going. Maybe they will. I don't know. I mean, is it, it is a fair question. Like, is this are, are we even going to be allowed to post clips of the Biden press conference from a couple of months ago onto Facebook? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that, and even with that, how much reach is there? Because then it's like, how segmented are we where people are even still friends with people that they disagree with, you know, but the yeah. point is, is that it's or, there. Or frankly, and I'm going to, I'm going to ding the right on this. Like how, like, it, like if you have posted like crazy conspiracy theories for months to the point where you've turned off all of your friends yeah, because you're posting no, nonsense exactly right. and then all of a sudden you post something real, you can't expect to be believed. They ain't going to watch it. No, <laughs> I think that's an excellent point. I totally agree with you 100%. Um, 
so yeah so like there's this so i've got a buddy um who uh, i've a few buddies who are on the the west coast and this is funny around the election i was like you guys gotta get out of there one of them's in san francisco one of them's in washington and um and i said you gotta get out of there man you gotta get out of there both of them like you got yeah actually there's two in washington um and I told them like, they're like, well, da, 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 everything's here. I'm like, no, you're acting this, you're acting like a pot committed, like in poker, like, no, you gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go. And they act like I was a crazy person. One of them literally texted me today and said, give me the lowdown on your town in Wyoming. And he's, and he said, we're looking at maybe even going to, to Fayetteville. They're like, mm-hmm. the, the point is, is they're leaving in two yeah. months. They're leaving California. The other one is, is saying, I'm going to have to either if I can't get some type of exemption, the other one works at Boeing. Um, and the third one, I haven't talked to in a long time, but he basically, the third one basically built like a compound <laughs> and where he's like, yeah, come and get it guys. Uh, with like seriously like perimeter fences and everything, but <laughs> he's a, he's a wild cat. But the, the other one was like, uh, I'm, if it comes between them getting mandating this for me at Boeing or me leaving, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the first one who works at a hospital, he's like, we're, we're getting out of here. They're, we, they're going to avoid our religious exemptions and we're, we're not going to do this since we're going to leave. We're not going to be forced to take this vaccine. And so this is happening. Like you said, people are noticing it. They're waking up um, and they're seeing it. And so I think that you're right that it's like if um, those press conferences and stuff aren't out there, you know, where everyone sees it, enough people are seeing it. And then that's all it takes. Like, that's how this thing spread initially, right? Like people on the fringe and then more and more and more. Right. Um, and so it's, I think it's happening in the opposite direction. There's a clip yesterday from Brett and Heather Weinstein or Heather Hying and Brett Weinstein's like, it's like, really? So Brett, Brett and Heather, um, their episode, and she was at like the park or something. And she heard these like three women who are on the left, like clearly, talking and so she goes over and she's like hey I, I was eavesdropping and they're talking about like the and they're all vaccinated they're all on the left but they're like like i don't know what to believe like cnn is clearly not making any sense and these women were like it just seems like they're just making shit up everyone is just making shit up mm-hmm. and they're wanting to and they're wanting to demonize these the unvaccinated people it's like this is crazy and these are women who are just like random people in portland in portland yeah and so it's like people are, and I think you're right that like, just even just having that, those test cases where it's like, what you thought, what you were sold a bill of goods. I think there's a lot of people on the left and maybe some people who voted Trump in 2016 and then didn't in 2020, they were sold a bill of goods of what they thought life was going to be if, if like once Trump, once the orange man's mm-hmm. gone and it has gone so horribly worse. So like I even saw these and they're trying their best to, to make this that like to show or to cover up how completely morally and intellectually bankrupt their system is. Right. You, you mentioned a scene, uh, well, all this is their memory holding. There's an article yesterday. I think it was Sanjay Gupta, uh, their guy, CNN's doctor guy, when they're not having that CCP Leanne Wen on there, um, who literally said that uh, breakthrough cases show that the vaccines are working as intended. Is that, okay. Is that, is that right? Is that what no. we're told? Is that what we're told? Like literally, and, and they're like, and their whole point was, yeah, but the, the but their their cases of COVID aren't nearly as bad. It's like most people's cases of COVID aren't bad, so that doesn't mean anything. And this idea, and they got into it, and where at least they did kind of, in, um, honestly break down some of the science where they're like the vaccine was never intended to 
kill, especially destroy the viral load in the mouth and in the throat, it was only in the lungs. And the fact that people are having mild cases and it is attacking it in the lungs shows that this is working. And it's like, okay, but if they're still shedding just as much of the viral load in their throat, nose, mouth, and everything, and they can spread it to people, then that's not, no one was, no one was under the impression. That's not a vaccine. Not a single person was under the impression that if we got the vaccine, we would still be transmitting this stuff to each other. Mm-hmm. Not one, not a single, not one, no one, no one thought that, or at least no regular person was in the impression of that, right? Like there might've been some scientists like, yeah, this is going to happen, but you know, um, but people are starting to wake up to that, I think. And so I guess that, that, you know, to, to piggyback off of what you just said there, um, <laughs> can I, can I tell you what Yarvin's his, uh, what he thinks is the final stage of libertarianism is? Oh, sure. Back to that. Um, he calls it a uh, accountable monarchy. An accountable monarchy. Literally monarchy. And his point is. Uh, Who's the king? So, so what he says is because power will only be conserved. It's not going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. We have all this power and we have to have a thing like and he does. He he's like, you know, Lenin had it right when he said the point wasn't and isn't to take over the system the point is to destroy is to shatter the system and Mm -hmm. so when you shatter it you have to have something waiting in the wings to collect that power because it will be it power it's not going to be destroyed it can only be like transferred and diffused other places and so his point about monarchy and this is where he gets into like by the way i agree with everything up to that point Mm -hmm. um and but his, his point is is that he gives these examples of times whenever we had monarchies that actually did stuff and monarchies that didn't and he he uses the metaphor of like companies are basically monarchies where you have a ceo Mm -hmm. and that ceo or the president of the company can decide whatever is whatever direction the company is going to go they can decide that but that person is held accountable by the board of directors and the board of directors doesn't Mm -hmm. have any say in what the president decides they're not they're not there to do they're just there to kind of approve or disapprove or whatever and and to represent the shareholders in some way. And so his point is, is that we have, you said your car was created by a monarchy, your computer was created by a monarchy and all these other things. And so his point is, is that we, we want a a monarch that would probably come out of the, uh, like people who are not originally part of the cathedral so that where power was never part of what it is, whatever it was that they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you the, he says then it would be a dynasty you want a dynasty where it's a it's a family mo- monarchy like by lineage but the, it's an accountable monarchy he says all the times when monarchy went off the rails is when it was an unaccountable monarchy and he does make the distinction of how that's different than like congress and senate and everything that we have here um because he, he he talks like some like yeah that sounds kind of like what we have now in a lot of ways but i think his point is is that they're not like whatever the board of directors is, is they're not like a governing body. Mm-hmm. They're not this, the King gets to decide and then he can delegate as he sees appropriate to different things. Um, but they're only there to like hold him accountable. But then again, but he doesn't really get into, okay, well who controls the military? Cause what if the King right. says no and just beheads everyone, you know? And so he doesn't have like a really good. And then like, you know, Michael Malice will give the example of anarchy where it's like, you go to the store and I can't steal stuff and they can tell me to leave. Like that's an anarchist relationship, you know, mm-hmm. where um, I agree 
free to submit to Marshall's rules when I go in there. I'm going to go into this dressing room, not that dressing room. And, you know, I think that Yarvin's example of businesses and just like Mal's example of businesses, even though the specifics are different, I'm like, okay, but you can't compare what you think it will, our government will look like based on a system that only exists within the context of our current system. Right. Like it exists within a certain set of parameters that exert influence and um, support and incentives and constraints on those things. So we can't know what this would look like without that, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is my point. So anyway, but I thought that that was funny where he I says mean, that the final form of, of, of libertarianism, oh, because here's the last thing he's like, yeah. he says, you want to be invisible to government. You want them to not care. And, and that's where he's like a government that doesn't care what you think mm -hmm. you are the freest in that system is that they don't care. And so, and that's the other argument he makes is that if they have absolute control, Mm -hmm. they don't really care what you think you know as long as you ideally if it's not a corrupted thing which again this gets some stuff about human nature and whatever but um and he's always like if they don't care what you think because they don't see you as a threat mm -hmm. then you you're free to do and think whatever it is you want to do and think yeah and i'm like okay i get what you're saying it's like you're free until you aren't but anyway um but that's kind of where he goes with that. And I think that there is something to that where if someone doesn't care what you think, then you're free to think and do whatever you want. Um, but again, I'm not sure that that system is the one to, to facilitate yeah. that, but I think it's at least an interesting thought experiment. No, I mean, I think, you know, I can kind of, I guess I can kind of wrap my head around where he's going with that. I mean, if I think about the structure of the libertarian party, um, which I mean, if we're talking about like, what is like, how does a libertarian society function? I think it's, it's, you know, useful to look at like, how does this system actually function right now? I mean, they do have like executive committees. The state party has an executive committee, the LNC, the, the national committee, um, like there are elections, people get elected to those, they make decisions, they, they drive the direction and, and people like, um, I mean, the people that are in the party consent to that on some level. So I guess I can kind of see that, but I think, you know, my understanding, and again, like, I'm much more, I, I don't, I don't envision myself ever being one of those people that like, you know, gets into deep discussions about libertarian philosophy, sure. mostly because like for the, for some of the reasons that I've already stated, which is I don't think it's actually even relevant in like a real world question and like right. it's not going to be relevant in our lifetimes. Um, but also because I'm just, I, I, um, like I, I, I try to as much as I can like boil things down to like the simplest possible statements and sometimes those simplest statements aren't necessarily encompassing of all the nuance but that's just how my mind works I want to get it down to like really brass tacks like what is like someone who's not going to pay attention want need to know about this in the real world and so I mean like one of the things that I've taken away from it and also from my experience at Porkfest is that people have to voluntarily enter into this type of agreement, yep. right? So it's not even just about like who makes the decisions. It's about how do we get people to a place where they intellectually understand that part of being a, of voluntarily associating with a libertarian like society is that you're not going to steal other people's stuff or hurt them. And that's yep. part of what you like you're entering into, you know, it, it was at this meetup last night and I was talking with, um, actually one of the organizers of Porkfest and we were talking and could, because he actually came, he came to libertarianism from the left. Sometimes people come from the right, sometimes they come from the left, but the, he actually came from the left. And I was talking to him about how I actually think a lot of people in like the walkaway movement are much more inclined 
to like the Mises caucus, then they understand. And simply it hasn't been presented to them as an option. I actually think a lot of people in the walkway campaign are probably more aligned philosophically with the Mises caucus than they are with the GOP or than they probably. are with the conservative movement. But it has conservatives probably are generally, if you think it would be my guess. I, I think I mean we I mean a lot of a lot of conservatives call themselves conservatarians and you can always tell it's the me. difference between yeah between like someone who considers themselves to be a conservatarian and like a religious conservative right those are two extremely different people um but so we were having this I also disagree with that because I'm I'm a I'm a very religious person but I do not want that legislated on you but are you talking about a religious conservative someone who does want to legislate uh, yeah like 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 the people that are trying to to legislate different aspects like you you can be religious and and also understand that we have a first amendment in this country and that you shouldn't be forcing my faith to be forced on anyone yeah yeah not at all yeah um and so sorry for interrupting yeah yeah. no no no, that's that's okay so we were having this conversation about the walkway movement and he asked me um this really pointed question he said Okay, so they might philosophically align with us, but do they understand that they can't come in and control other people? Hmm. And I was like, and I think for the most part, I think that mo- many of them do, um, but that that there, that is a distinction, right? There is a difference between saying, I want people to leave me alone and really understanding that, okay, you can have people leave you alone, but you also can't control what they say and do. And I think yep. this is where, I mean, like the, the religious fundamentalists on the right, they miss the mark because they, they, they are, they will say every day, like, I don't want the government infringing on my religion. And they'll talk about the war on Christmas and they'll talk about how, like, you know, you know, there are all these like hardships of being a Christian in this country, which I don't really understand. I'm, like, I'm not a Christian. I also think Christian Christianity is like the dominant religion. So really like how hard could it be? But like, they don't understand that, in order for them to truly be left alone to practice whatever faith they want to practice or do whatever they want to do, they need to leave other people alone too. Yep. Those are two yep. different things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, my guess is, I mean, we can get into it or not as much as you mm-hmm. do or don't want to do, but um, you know, I think a lot of people think of like the abortion issue as like, that's mm-hmm. like the main one. Now I think that previously it wasn't that it was like, rap music and video games and and all this other stuff and um i think that that is exactly like anti-sodomy laws right like this Mm -hmm. crazy stupid it's like so delegit delegitimizing of their like or 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 like outlawing porn or things like that yep yep, that's another yep yep totally Mm -hmm. agree um and i think that the i would make the distinction that because the the most um prevalent version of that today is is the abortion thing and i don't i i am in the opinion where i don't think abortion is legislating your uh your religious beliefs because there's a lot of people that are not religious and not christians at all who are opposed to that so Mm -hmm. um but outside of outside of that like i agree and i think that there's a lot of them who yeah when push comes to shove they'll say leave me alone and then there'll be something where it's like wouldn't it be great if we all did this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And I, who is it that you said that had that, that idea of like, we might all agree, but do they realize they can't control? Oh, oh people, no. Or they can't tell. Hang on. You just froze real quick. What, what was that? You just froze real quick. Can you say that again? You said, um, you said that they're, that they might all, that they might agree. 
Yeah. Uh, that there might be these people, who, these conservatives who would agree with their platform, but they, if they come in, they might not realize that they can't tell other people what to do within yeah. that context. Who was it that said that? Um, it was, like De- a- yeah, it was Dennis Pratt. He's been on my channel yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. He's one of the organizers yeah. of Porkfest. Yeah. I think that's a really brilliant distinction mm-hmm. um, and something that makes a lot of sense because, and by the way, that speaks to that notion that power and then the dominant position on things is the one that is often what gets rewarded and that gets disseminated out even through the right where it's mm-hmm. like, well, we should tell people like the, the fact that any conservatives are on board with this infrastructure bill, you know, I'm going back through. Um, so Thomas Sowell has this book on the housing boom and bust in 2008, which is a fantastic book. It's, it's a short, short read. Um, and he talks about how politicians often support like infrastructure bills or infrastructure, this or infrastructure that because it looks better than, repairing things like you don't get to have a ribbon cutting ceremony for filling in a pothole right right or repairing stuff but you do if you just build these new things and do and again it's just another form of do something of doing something because it looks good and it and it again if you have this hierarchy where it's like you're a public servant which means you're here to serve the public implied in that should be to serve the public in the most efficient and logical and especially if they're the one paying for it, if the, if the citizens are the one paying for it in the most economical way possible. And what you get is where they're like, yeah, we're serving you, but I'm also going to serve you in a way that is maximally um, supportive of, of me and, and max, make, makes it where my power, you know, gets to be gained or expressed to the greatest extent. And so there, that's where the, the conflict of interest comes into play. And I think you see that on the right just as much as you do on the left, at least with some of those smaller decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I absolutely think we see that on the right just as much as we do on the left. And that's honestly what, what you know, I think that I think that the rise of a third party that can be that maybe not necessarily viable, at least not right now, but like can at least be a spoiler, something that people have to pay attention to. I think it's so, so, so necessary. And I thought this before the election and part of me, and I think that part of the reason I think it's necessary is because we have these two parties that just act so alike one one another all the time. There's got to be something that comes in and breaks this up. Otherwise it's like, we're going to be like, you know, controlled from the left or we're going to be controlled from the right. And there's yeah. no, there's not going to be any balance to it. And I almost think that there was a really big missed opportunity. You know, a lot of people after the election thought that Trump was going to form a third party. Truman, I almost wish he would have. I yep. really do. I think that he really overestimated how much he could take over the GOP or how much, how much the establishment GOP would allow him to. I think if, I think if the GOP had treated Trump as the leader of the party that I think the people want him to be. We would be having a very different conversation right now about about frankly everything. I, I think he missed the boat on not creating a third party. I think he had the momentum to do it, and I think it would have just been an interesting exercise, to be honest, to see to see what would have happened in terms of rattling the GOP to he try to elicit some of this. He still could, I guess. Well, and here and here's I think one of the one of the appeals there. This is one of the things that Ken and I were talking about because he was talking about like how he hoped that like Trump didn't run again in 2024 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, the one like, like and, and I don't even want to talk about this, this, this specifically necessarily, but I was like the one like positive mark in that corner is it's like, he could look and say, how, how have things been? How you guys doing? What's your life been like over the last few years, uh, you know, compared mm-hmm. to whenever I was in like, remove everything that CNN said about me every day in my tweets. Like how, how, 
was your life that bad compared to how it is now? Like, get, get out of here. And I think that that type of appeal mm-hmm. is, is, and especially as this, you know, administration continues to, to spiral, mm-hmm. um, is going to be, be increasingly appealing to the left. It, Cause yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, like the overlap between like BLM and Proud Boys type stuff, where it's like that, that populism, you know, that there can be a big tent thing that has nothing to do with the GOP. Yeah. Wouldn't it be incredible if Trump actually like, so I, I have mixed feelings about whether or not I want him to run in 2024, even though like, I, I will admit that I think that it would create a shit show circus that would be really entertaining for a couple of years. It'd be amazing. Oh, it'd be amazing. It would be amazing. But like, wouldn't it be incredible if Trump literally just did like a very bare bones commercial where he said exactly, he didn't talk in like the Trump voice or whatever. Like he was just like a normal person. And he kind of said like, you know, you like, how, how was your life now compared to what it was going guys? Doing yeah. pretty good. What, how are gas prices? Yeah. How's the Middle East going? How's inflation? Yeah. How's inflation? How's Middle East going? Yeah. How how, how is that? Yeah. How's COVID? Is it, are those vaccines working all right? Like, what do you think? Um, and he just asked those questions, and that was all. No sales pitch. Just like, yeah. how are things? Let's have a talk. I mean, that was the question. I, I think was it was it Reagan that asked that question? Is your life better or worse than it was four years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the thing. Um, so. I think that there's something, there's an appeal there. Now, here's a question. How much do you think, because I, I mean, we were in agreement. I, I've heard Deb talk about this of just, and I don't remember who she was quoting. It was a guy she talked to who considers himself like a public education abolitionist. Um, but where it's like, how much do you think that, you know, in terms of like these things that are waking people up, um, that as people see this impact in their schools and in their jobs, mm-hmm. um, that that's going to be a thing that increasingly, because I mean, we talked about this before in terms of impact of this stuff on the 2022 midterms, mm-hmm. but like, do you see those as opportunities for the libertarian like party or even just libertarian perspective to try and bring people over to like, um, the police aren't enforcing the, aren't enforcing laws. A lot of the places, the laws that they are enforcing are totalitarian. The, these schools do not have your child's best interest in in mind mm-hmm. um they are not educating your kid like do you see that there's like at least some opportunities some fertile ground uh for for that to gain at least some kind of momentum or just the idea of like you said questioning um yeah gaining some steam going into no, these midterms i do but i think the reality is that like it's not going there's not going to be a big difference until the mises caucus takes over the libertarian party which i do believe will happen at the national convention in 2022 um so i mean it, it very well could um like right now the the challenge with all of this is is that the the libertarian party still sucks it's still totally. controlled by like these woke idiots that just are completely devoid of any principles they they, they it's just like they're like a lot of them are how big awful. is mises nationally it's I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's it, it, the Mises, it's I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that anyone that's come into the Libertarian Party in the last year or so has been brought in by the Mises caucus. I don't okay. they're not they're not coming in to, to support the old regime. They're coming in. And this is honestly part of the why I why I ended up joining the Libertarian Party, like like officially, because within the Liberty, like my vote doesn't make a difference. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm like a registered Republican in New Hampshire or whatever. Like my vote does not make a difference in that regard. Within the Libertarian Party, which you have to be a member of to vote at like the state and the national levels, 
my vote actually does make a difference. If I'm yeah. like, we, we have a, we're having um, like a regional, like, um, like convention in, I think it's next week, um, next week or the week after in New Hampshire for like the Southern New Hampshire reason, region to elect our own executive board and stuff. In that sense, my vote absolutely does matter in support yep. of the Mises caucus. Like it, it yep. is, it is a very important number. And so, I mean, I think that if they're able to take over the party in 2022, which again, I do think they will do, we're going to start seeing a lot more bold messaging come out of the libertarian party it's going to be a lot more cohesive and frankly it's going to end up being a lot more libertarian and mm. you know i mean every piece of like the libertarians sucked on the lockdowns they sucked on the mandates they suck at all of this stuff right now but that's going to change what was their pers perspective on those things well they were like you know i don't even know to be honest, I mean, it, it isn't it sad that I cannot say that the libertarian perspective for sure is that they are against lockdowns and mandates. I but should be able think to say that, that that's like not that's a gimme. It should be just yeah. like, yeah, of course, they're opposed to that. Yeah, but they've spent more time in their LNC meetings just doing internal bickering and targeting people they don't like to remove them from the board. Like that's what they spent their time doing. Um, and yep. so it's like, do I know what I like? I I technically think they're against it. They've sent a couple tweets recently that that express that they're against it, but they're not doing any bold messaging strategy around it. But if you get um if you get like the Mises Caucus person in as the LNC chair, you get more representation on the LNC. They take over the social media accounts. Dave Smith runs for president. Michael Malice maybe like runs the twitter account whoever who knows what's going to happen um like i think you're going to start seeing a lot more bold messaging and i think that that's the thing that's going to start to get people excited and again are they going to win any elections no probably not but that's not the point the point is to move the overton window like the new hampshire libertarian party has gotten in trouble with with for for our tweets recently you may you may have heard um yeah. but um but like part of the point of the tweets is to move the overton window that's yeah. what the goal is and so are people mad at some of the tweets? Well, sure, but that's part of the point. They're supposed to be mad. If, if, yep. if, if they weren't mad, then that would mean that we weren't doing the job of trying to move the Overton window. Yeah. And there's something to be said, you know, just a thought I just had of like, how many, like if you're to take now, so it's August 15th mm -hmm. compared to, let's say August 15th of 2020, um, or even like January 15th of 2020. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or 2021 um it seems to me that it's it's unquestionable or at least there's not much of a question in like the amount of politically homeless people there are now mm -hmm. compared to then it's got to be more it's got to be more oh i think because so, there's because yeah. the gop leaving people behind you know by no <laughs> everything we've talked about before and the democrats just like whatever it is that they're doing, whoever is in charge is obviously a horrible on every level. Like, is there one good thing that's happened? I can't think of one. No, I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure there probably is, but I can't think of any. Well, I'm sure that CNN and NPR will have you believe that there is, but, yeah. but there, there is nothing that is obvious to me that they are doing right at, right now and that they are only making people's lives worse. Right. And so it's like, you know, the, there, there has to be a growing number of politically homeless people, or at least questioning, like people that are like, this is just not, this can't be the thing, yeah. right? And so that means that there's going to be more and more ripe opportunity for whether it's the Mises caucus or just the libertarians generally for people to say, you don't have to be part of this binary. You can be non-binary politically. <laughs> you can be. You can be, yeah. and, 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 and there is a place that doesn't suck as much as it once used to suck. 
you know, yeah. and I, I think there's a huge opportunity and I, I do hope they take advantage of it, at least to get people to think. I mean, how maybe- did Joe Jorgensen, how did Joe Jorgensen get in and how, like compared to like Dave Smith? Those are so two different people. Like how, do, how is Joe Jorgensen the pick? I, I, I don't know the full story behind that, um, but I think it was, well, I, I, there, there are rumblings that not everything was above board. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. you know, because, you know, what's become clear in that. So, you know, we, we didn't really talk about like the, the libertarian takeover of the New Hampshire libertarian yeah. party, but it was like, it, it's been mm-hmm. covered a lot of places. If people want to like know more about it, they can, but like one, one of the things that it became clear in this whole thing, which basically like, like the chairman of the libertarian national party had to resign because he basically got caught colluding to take yeah. over the state party. Right. But one of the things that was so clear is that they are so desperate to retain control of the party that they are literally cheating. They're mm. literally cheating. And so that's kind of what's being dealt with there. And I think like like so. And, and so can we assume that this is the first time that they've ever cheated? No. <laughs> I mean, there, there's questions about there's this guy named um, Joshua Smith. He does a show on YouTube um, like he was this close to winning the chairmanship of the Libertarian Party. It was very close. And every other vote went to, like, and this is at the last convention, every other vote went to Mises Caucus people, except for him. And he lost by like that much. Mm, I don't believe that for one red second, right? Um, But they hate him. And so they had to keep him out. But I mean, I almost think like, you know, people need a home. And this is what I was always afraid of with walk away kind of being sidelined is like, where do even the politically homeless people go? Even to, even to just talk to each other, mm. even to say, even to congregate, to say like, this isn't right. And maybe like, I think the GOP is crazy. And I think the Democrats are crazy, but like, there's no place to even have that conversation now. And, it, and yeah. I feel like it also sometimes gets hijacked by people on both sides who like the minute that you start trying to have this conversation of like, something isn't right. You've got the wackadoos from the right that come in. They're like, have you heard all the latest conspiracy theory and QAnon nonsense? Yeah. It's like, and it disrupts the entire thing and it sends people running right back to the left. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to is I, you know, walk away is going to be like coming back and i've seen what they've been working on and cool. it's like really good <laughs> they're building what, what, out a whole social platform <laughs> when are they when are they doing it how come they're not doing that with uh like so i looked the locals rumble thing yeah. is legit i think it's going to be good i think they're going to continue to work i just on that. hate so, rumble so much where are they well i think they're going to be working on that um but where's the and I think it's honestly our best digital bet right now. Like it's hands down. I like don't know. Digital. I like Odyssey. I like Odyssey quite a bit. That's fine. Um, we can disagree the, on that. That's fine. Where where Odyssey? Who has who are who owns Odyssey servers? Um, I don't know, but Jeremy Kaufman runs Odyssey, so I'm I trust him to have taken care of that. Okay. Um, because that's that was one of the, I think the appeals of the Rumble Locals, you know, thing is that they. Have, they have their own servers and if they rely on they locals was on aws and then yeah. now yeah. that's one of the things there but anyway um i don't even know what the hell i was talking about uh, oh they're walkway so what so what are they when's the when is that stuff going to get started so it has to so they've been working this entire time that brandon has kind of been sidelined and they're hopeful that they're going to have more information about when brandon's case will conclude on august 26 that's the next important date that we need to watch um august 26 it may not be done by then but they're pretty hopeful that it will be pretty much done is there a place to follow his case and just the details of it yeah so you can go like the best thing to do is just go to his website brandonstruck.com and sign up for his 
email list because he, they, they send out updates and things, um, but they, he also does live streams every now and again. Um, so he'll, he'll provide information that way, but um, that's the one they should be looking for. And brand, like, like walkway can't do anything until that is done. And then yep. the minute that that's done, like they're, they're, they're going. And there's so going like to be 11 days from now. That's yeah. like 26, right? So it could, it could legitimately be pretty soon unless they screw around again, because they've already gotten two extent, the government's already gotten two extensions. So, um, so we'll like, we'll cross our fingers, but they're ready to go. I mean, I've seen what they're building. I've seen bits and pieces. Of what, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I know that they're building out a social platform for people that is uncancelable. They rebuilt all their payment. They rebuilt payment processors. So mm. that's going to be uncancelable. They have built out an entire advocacy network. They're building out a pack that they're calling the people's pack where people are going to get to vote on the issues that they support and then they 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 are they're supporting candidates that align with their values and and places are welcome to give them money but they're not going to have influences over the issues that they support or who they support it's going to be completely values oriented based on the votes of individuals and they're going to mm. give people ways to advocate for those like on the state and national it's it's really impressive what they've done and i think that um i i'm hopeful that like the social network that they're building out because i think it's going to look exactly like facebook essentially because that's just like what brandon likes um but like i think it's going to give people a place to congregate again at least that are leaving the left and i don't know they're just, the, like that's the thing that that worries me the most is i don't think people have like where do you even meet people who are politically homeless there's no politically homeless like camp or like commune yeah. or anything like that i mean i think that's probably why i gravitated to the libertarians because i was like where do i even meet people that don't buy into this like two-party paradigm oh the libertarians yeah. and i happen to live in new hampshire and they're right over there and they're having a meetup you yeah. know there have to be ways at least to politically meet. i mean i know that like like that's been bridget fetis's thing for a long time of just like right she says i run the politically homeless shelter yeah um but that's something that's like it's more like social like of just like you know that thing and, and not really the the pol political aspect of it which it seems kind of more like what you're talking about of like if you, if you still need to have governance, which I really liked um, the, what they talked about in that Mises thing, there's a difference between governance and the state. I mm -hmm. really, that's a very important distinction, but you still need to have some kind of governance. Yeah. And so I think to have a place for people who feel totally alienated from both these parties, which I know I do, I know that you do. And so mm -hmm. um, to have that is really good. So what's the, I mean, to kind of like bring it to a close, what are some of the things that you're I mean, what else, what else is on your mind? Are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling encouraged, discouraged? How are you feeling right now? I don't know that I'm feeling hopeful or non-hopeful, to be honest. I kind of think that I'm where I'm at mentally right now is I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm sitting back and watching the shit show play out in front of me. Yep. And I just, I just don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in the bickering on either side. I'm just Truman. I'm so sick of politics. I'm yeah. so sick of like the political conversation coming out of both sides, because to me, they both sound the same. And yeah. so we're, how I've kind of positioned myself at this point is I'm sitting back and I'm just going to watch it and try not to get involved unless I really care about something. Like, obviously, you know, I mean, we could still, you know, we're not going to touch on like the woke stuff or like critical race theory in this conversation. We don't always have to, but um, you know, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Where are you at? Dude, I feel like I'm in a different place every single day. Or at least yeah. every single hour, and it, and it all depends on what I'm looking at, mm -hmm. which is really it's the thing. I was I was talking to Kevin the other night, and I was I literally I was like, "Can you help me calibrate?" Because I want to figure out if I'm like 
even just thinking the right things, if I'm like overemphasizing or underemphasizing certain things, like I really try to be like self-checking on like where my mind is and like how rational the thoughts are I'm having and like how grounded they are in reality. I really try to do that. Um, so, I mean, there are certain things. So like I did a live stream this morning before I left um, painting and I said how one of the things that was really encouraging to me is that like the viral videos that are getting shared right now are it's everyday people. Mm -hmm. It's not like Ben Shapiro owns. It's yeah. everyday people who are out standing up for what's right, speaking out against this stuff, whether it's the school boards or businesses or whatever. Um, that is remarkably encouraging to me that the the people right now that we are elevating and that we are we are platforming and and trying to encourage are just regular folks who have had enough and mm -hmm. who are speaking out and there and that's that. And I think as people see that more and more, that's just a regular person. I don't, I don't know who that is. That's the point is yeah. it could be me. Um, that is really, really encouraging to me. And, you know, even just stuff like what uh, Heather was talking about, the conversation she ever heard or my buddy's wanting to move, you know, there's, there's a glasses half full and glasses half empty aspect to that. Like people are waking up and this is what I've talked about where there's, you know, there are casualties, increasing numbers of casualties. And I think we're going to hit a threshold where people where there's going to be a tipping point of people who have experienced this in a negative way where they're going to stop fleeing at, you know, fleeing this and start, we're going to see more and more people instead of running, they're going to turn around and fight. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that is kind of where I'm at in terms of the good stuff. And the question ultimately is, is it going to be, are we going to hit that threshold in time to stop it? You know, where's the momentum? I personally think it's going to be localized you know, that there's that like Portland is going to be gone for a long time. San Francisco is going to be gone uh, for a long time. L.A., New York. I think these are places that are going to destroy their economies with these vaccine passports. Um, and they already have destroyed economies and it's going to push people out uh, of of those locations. Um, but I think generally, you know, we are going to see the 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 rise of of other cities, you know, and other places. And so mm -hmm. I. I am actually, I'm discouraged by what's going to cause the things that are encouraging me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm discouraged by the authoritarianism. I'm incredibly discouraged by like, you know, pregnant women or women generally who are getting forced to get these, these vaccines that are, you know, causing serious issues to their reproductive systems. Um, so, and then, you know, I would say, my guess is that I will be incredibly black pilled after the FDA approves this stuff. Cause then they're going to start requiring it for kids. Um, and so, that's going to be a thing. And, and that'll be a big litmus test for me for how compromised the whole thing is, is if they actually, because I, I know that there's a lot of people in these places that are going, that they're terrified to speak out. They're terrified to oppose this stuff, but they, they know that it's the right thing to do. And so I think they're trying to throw sand in the gears as much as they can. But anyway, my point is, is that there, there are things that are incredibly terrifying to me, but those things I'm seeing a really encouraging response mm -hmm. um by pe by people that are speaking out and fighting back and so whether they're migrating to a libertarian thing or they're only looking at that specific instance where they're like i'm not here to talk about healthcare. uh you're doing this thing at my job and this is wrong and i'm not going to comply or you're doing this thing at the school with my kid and i'm not going to comply and you know what i mean and so yeah like it doesn't have to be this big all-encompassing thing it just has to be people generally pushing back against this prevailing you know orthodoxy and so 
like honestly like yeah i i'm in, i'm both you know what i mean does that make sense yeah like the no, discouraging like there's another so the discouraging thing could be creating a discouraging response like if no one was fighting back i would be like we're screwed this is done we are absolutely done um but the discouraging stuff is creating an encouraging you know kind of reaction to me so and i like that better than the alternative sorry anyway yeah that, no, that's no. kind of where i'm at no, I, and I, I agree. And I also think, you know, I also think it's important to say, as we kind of wrap this up, that I, I don't care where people land politically. I don't yep. care. I just care that they are awake and that they're seeing reality as it is. And then we can, we can have disagreements within that, but we have to start from a place of like, we have to see reality as it is. First principles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if we go, yep. and if we can get to that place, that is good enough for me for right now, but yep. we got to wrap up because I got to go. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, uh, so Thank you everyone for watching. This yeah. is a, that was a fun, lighthearted. I like that was I good. That felt one better, didn't it? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, so Carlin, where can people find, find you and find your stuff and support you? And then the things yeah. that you just talked about here, where, where, where would you direct people to? They can find me on YouTube under my name, Carlin Borisenko. They can find me on locals, kb.locals.com. And like I'm on most social media places, but those are the, the two biggies that they can find me at. Where, where can they find you, Truman? Yeah, so return to reason.locals.com, Twitter, my mundane mind, uh, YouTube, return to reason. Uh, and then I sell kitten mittens on Etsy as well. Um, <laughs> and, and that's just kidding. So, uh, anyway, uh, that's it. Thank you everyone for watching. Uh, hopefully, you know, we're speaking about things you care about. Try not to be super black filled, yeah. but also engaging in reality as it is. Um, yeah. So, and Truman, all right, we have a, until we have a next perfect, time. Wait, wait, wait. I won't point this out. So people people are watching this on YouTube or Locals. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts because we are posting yes. there as well. And Truman, we have a perfect five-star review on well, Apple Podcast. For now, now. That's, so so if you enjoy you know, this, gonna, go give us a five-star review. Rating. Nice. I don't know anything about Apple Podcasts. So that sounds like it's a good thing. Uh, yes. So yes, please do that, guys. I, all right. Go to is Spotify. <laughs> is there a Spotify thing? There should be a Spotify thing. I think we're on a lot of major podcasting platforms. I got to go double check, but we're definitely on Apple Podcasts. I know that much. <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review, please. Five stars exactly. only, not four five. stars. Five. All right. Correct. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank Peace. you, guys. Bye. <laughs>